Parenting is hard enough as it is, but how would you handle it if your young son, right on the cusp of puberty, came out to you as trans? Butterfly, a brand new television on Hulu, asks that question in a very well-written, elegant family dramedy. We're covering the first episode here on AfterBuzz TV, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Nice. Such this, a good upbeat song. It kind of fits the show perfectly, right? Yeah. And of course, guys, that show is Butterfly, which we're talking about here today on AfterBuzz TV. My name is Jeff Graham. I'm not alone. I'm surrounded by a group of brilliant panelists. Hey, guys. I'm Megan Lynn. Hello, I'm Sarah Mendoza. Megan and Sarah, I'm so excited to talk about this show with you guys. Thanks for joining. Um, Before we dive in, guys, I just want to let you know, as I mentioned, we're covering a show called Butterfly. It actually originally aired in the UK on ITV in October. Hulu recently just purchased it. And it's, um, as of this week, airing it on their platform. So that's why we're covering it here in the United States. Yeah, um, that's a pretty good accent. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> not a good um, Irish accent, Not though. a good Irish, though. <laughs> it's, there's actually an interesting tidbit. There's more regional dialect variety in the UK than there is in the US, mm, which is crazy about how small it is. But mm. the accent thing is a huge part of yeah. UK culture, um, which, of course, this show is set in Ireland. We'll be talking about that today. And I do want to let you guys know, before we dive in, um, if this is your first time to AfterBuzz TV, we're an after show network, which means we typically cover episodes one at a time. We will be doing that today for Butterfly, but because it's a three-part miniseries, we watched all of it. You could almost argue it's a three-part movie in some mm-hmm. ways. So we will do our best to not spoil anything. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into our <laughs> overall thoughts, guys. I know we've seen the whole show, mm-hmm. but let's do our best to just, what was your overall take on episode one? How did we feel about it? Sarah, let's start with you. I honestly loved this series and episode one. I think it was very heartwarming. Mm -hmm. They address issues that are definitely an important um, issue that we're facing in society today. And I think it was beautifully done. Uh, There were challenges with the the family that we're going to be talking about today in this show. Um, And I think that the the way that they overcame that as a family was was definitely inspiring. Well Mm -hmm. said. Yeah, I think they did a really good job setting up all of the characters, and I think they're portraying them in a really real fashion. They're not trying to over-sensationalize it or over-glamorize the issue as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I gotta say, going into this, I wouldn't say I'm a transphobic person, but I'm someone who doesn't have a ton of awareness about the trans movement. Mm -hmm. It's new, and I think what was so smart about this show was it's easy for anyone to say they're totally comfortable with trans issues, but if your child comes to you and comes out as trans, I think that's a whole different Mm ballgame. And I think this show really wasn't afraid to dive into, in a supportive and empathetic way, how challenging that would be for a mom and for a dad and for a family. And I think it's evidence that if you want to open up a discussion about challenging issues like this, sometimes Sometimes the best way to do it is through art and through fiction because mm-hmm. the best way into someone's life is through their family. And, you know, you know, you can talk about these issues on a huge grand scale, but no one will ever have real conversations about it until you can portray it on a really small, intimate scale like this show did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like I learned a lot about trans issues and I feel like it really did open my mind because the show positions all of these issues in the context of a really sensitive and intimate way. Mm. I am all for it because it's a window into a world that many people do want to learn more about. Mm -hmm. I myself um, don't have a lot of trans friends, but I fully, you know, support the trans movement. And this helped me to just understand better what that journey is like for them, especially in this beginning phase of how they transition into who they truly are Mm, in society. Yeah. 
Um, any other thoughts maybe before we move on or yeah just kind of going off of what you said I think it's easy to be accepting of someone different than you as a friend but when Mm -hmm. your child comes out as trans you're not just dealing with someone you've known your entire life someone you gave birth to changing who they fundamentally are it's also you have to go through the financial challenges and the physical challenges and those are parts you might not see from the outside even as a close friend of someone yeah, and I think what the show gets into so well, and we'll talk about it more specifically as we dive into our coverage, guys, but again, it's it's easy to support any friend when they open up to you about, you know, being gay or being trans or in any part of the LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I'll say quickly, guys, we'll do our best to be as equipped with knowledge as we can about these issues, but just like the show and the audiences, we're learning as well. So we're going to do our best. We appreciate your grace as we go through that. But what I was going to say is, the thing is, when a child comes out to a family... The hesitation and fear is often knowing that that child is accepting a harder life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's when Max comes out to his dad, his dad is thinking the fear here isn't so much necessarily who you are, what you want. It's that you're setting yourself up for a much, much more challenging life than you have right now, Mm -hmm. which is a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously not a parent. I'm a little young for that. But when I think about my mom, I know she would always want me to be happy, always want me to be the truest version of myself. Mm -hmm. But when that means accepting a life that's a lot harder, both with even practical aspects like going to the doctor, getting a job, Mm -hmm. financial burdens, and then from a social perspective as well, no one wants that for their kid. So it's this conflict of, wanting them to be happy but also wanting them to have as close to a normal life as possible or just having a good life yeah right absolutely as as a parent you want to protect your kids right. you will do anything and we really saw that in in the the mom in this show where mm-hmm. she went to extreme lengths right to to make sure that she maxine was accepted absolutely but it like i can completely agree with you it's about finding that balance too because you want to support them but you also have to be realistic about what they're about to face so that Mm -hmm. they can fend for for themselves right out in society once they make that choice absolutely it's really well said and um i want to just brief you guys on what our show is going to look like that was our overall thoughts on episode one and i think a little bit the series as a whole but we'll kind of be discussing these episodes topically and as i mentioned we will do our best to not spoil anything um I'm guessing most of you guys have probably watched the whole series right now, but if you've only watched episode one and only want to hear our thoughts on episode one, we're 95% sure that we will only be focusing on episode one in this episode, but we can't promise we won't slip in a spoiler here and there just because we have seen the whole thing. So you've been warned and you might be best to go watch the whole thing if you want no spoilers moving forward. <laughs> it's uh, the perfect binge show. So. Yeah, it is the perfect binge show. I know. Yeah. It almost feels like a three-part movie. Yeah, it's very cinematic in the style that it's shot as well. Definitely. Um, I love the way it was shot. I'm excited to get into that. And guys, we won't just be covering the show. We also do have some production tidbits that we'll be discussing from behind-the-scenes stuff um, and some special segments will actually be featuring some notable trans personalities um, as we continue our coverage so stay tuned for that and i mentioned it briefly but the last thing i'll say guys is we're going to do our best with these issues a lot of the vocabulary and the politically correct way to handle these issues is still being developed by cultural critics and thinkers and we're going to do our best to be as up-to-date as possible but we appreciate your grace as we navigate this stuff and for 
anyone who has corrections or suggestions for us, please let us know in the comments because we love to learn and, you know, be the most civically engaged people we can. And my last thing on that, too, the protagonist changes throughout the show from Max to Maxine. We're going to do our best to not dead name Maxine when we're talking about his past. But primarily in this first episode, he is existing as the fictional character Max. And for the next two, he'll be existing as the fictional character Maxine. So if we mess up on that, we appreciate your grace as we go through this. Yeah, in the first episode, um, Max is still referred to as Max with he, him pronouns. So Mm -hmm. I think probably sticking to that. And then we'll see more as he kind of um, becomes known as a female. Exactly. Coming up. Um, Well, with all of that out of the way, let's dive into our coverage, guys. Um, I want to start by talking about Max, of course, because he's really the central figure of this show and sort of talking about his journey. Um, How did we feel just in general about this character, about his portrayal? He's portrayed, he slash she is portrayed by um, Callum Booth Ford, who's kind of a newcomer. What do we think of just this character in general, guys? I think he did a really great job of, um, like I said before, not oversensitive over-sensationalizing the character and just a really honest portrayal of how you deal with bullies constantly confronting you even before he came out as trans. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with that. And also how authentic um, Max's joy was whenever we would see him expressing himself mm-hmm. as female. The opening scene to me was just, I started dancing, the 80s music came on, like he's mm-hmm. putting on his makeup. I'm like, I remember that when I was a kid. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's exploring it just like I was as a, as a young girl, you know, exploring my femininity and what it is to be my version of beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show was really educational in the way it sort of taught audiences who might not know what it act, what the journey of a trans child looks like. I mean, the show mentions that he was displaying these tendencies as young as five. The family was seeing child psychologists as young as that age. And again, I think both the character and the actor did such a good job of portraying the extremes of how free it feels to be allowed to express yourself as your real identity and how challenging and repressed it feels when you don't have access to that identity. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually want to start by talking about Max's friend, Molly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Um, this was an interesting decision to make. When we see Max at school, um, Molly is sort of the friend he identifies with because she's going through body dysmorphia. How do we feel about this choice from a writing perspective? I think it's interesting to contrast um, body dysmorphia along with gender dysmorphia because they're both wanting to get out of their skin and to feel more comfortable in their bodies. But at the same time, Body dysmorphia is something you want to get rid of. You want to accept who you are. But gender dysmorphia isn't an illness. It isn't a mental disorder. So I think it's kind of hard to balance those two against each other. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. They're completely different things. I think that what it provided, though, in the show is that Max had someone to relate to in this discomfort in their skin. And they're, yes, completely different issues, but in this environment where he's being bullied and there's so much turmoil at home with who is mom accepting, is dad accepting, there's another person that's saying, hey, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> show me show me your marks, you know, because they're both suffering. Um, and I don't know if I'm jumping into... No, it's okay, it, please, yeah. self-harming, right. you know, as we see in the show. Um, and actually, I was doing some research, research and they said that three-fourths of transgender individuals actually will self-harm at some point in their Mm -hmm. journey because of 
the tumultuousness that they feel inside mm. and in trying to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a scary reality. And that's why I love shows like this that bring that to light because we need to do better at supporting these individuals and not alienating them. Um, and thank goodness for Max's character that there was a Molly yeah. right at that point. Absolutely. And I'll be interested to hear what you guys think in the comments about this choice because I think... Most critics agree that this show got just about everything right. There's been a little criticism about um, Max's suicide attempt, which which we're going to get into right now, because people fear that what it does is equate all trans folks with suicidal people with suicidal tendencies by Mm. having that moment. Whereas actually the statistics for suicide attempts among trans youth are actually kind of low. So that was interesting to read about. And I'm wondering if people, how they felt about equating body dysmorphia to gender dysmorphia. I think it worked okay in the show, but I'm Mm. interested to see if there's any pushback against that. Well, on the note of self-harm, I don't think we can necessarily read that as an attempt at suicide. I really liked how they got more to the root of why both um, Molly and Max were self-harming. It wasn't so much that they wanted to kill themselves. It's like they wanted the relief and they wanted to feel like they had some power over their bodies Mm -hmm. to alter what they looked like. And I don't think either of them wanted to die. They just want to get out of their skin. And I think in that sense, it's nice that Max is someone like Molly, even though they have completely different issues and backstories. It's that they both understand what it's like to not want to be who they are. And they're both struggling to accept themselves just in different ways. Mm -hmm. Sure. And and they also showed how the parents perceived those acts, though, Mm. because even though the child is thinking it's a release, right? And it's definitely not something, you know, that something that we would want to help them out of because it's dangerous and they shouldn't be doing that. But it shows how the parents only see their kid as harming themselves, potentially could die from this, whether it was intentional or not, you know, and they're panic over it. And then they go into overdrive as we got to stop this. Right. That was actually, Mm. I think, the thing that really set the mom and dad into overdrive Mm -hmm. in finding a solution. Okay, we need to accept him as her, because if it keeps going down this path, who knows what the next step is going to be if he's already harming himself in this way. I Mm. so agree. I'm glad you brought that up, Sarah, because I mean, like, obviously, from a cultural standpoint, it's a very important story to tell. But just from a writing standpoint, from a dramatic television standpoint, it's really smart for us to set up our characters in this way because it makes the stakes so high throughout this show. Mm -hmm. Because the parents aren't only fighting for their kid's happiness, they're really fighting for their kid's life, which made every single decision that they were making so much more complicated and high stakes and really created, I think, a nice narrative engine for these three episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Another thing I want to talk about with Max's journey is not only the self-harm, but just I appreciated that this show kind of explored how so many people kind of conflate homosexuality with transgender issues. We saw it with um, the grandparents, Barbara and Peter, being like, I just think, you know, the kid's just gay. He's been gay since he's five years old. We saw it with the bullies at school calling him gay. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a common reaction. It's sort of the LGBT community getting grouped into one single label. Mm-hmm. How did you guys feel about the fact that the show sort of addressed this? Um, it's really sad, but I think it's good to see that angle, too. And it also goes along with the fact that not everyone in the LGBT community understands each other's issues. And not everyone who has some sort of dysmorphia, whether it's body dysmorphia or gender dysmorphia, understands what each other is going through. And I think it's important to realize that we all need to be allies of each other. And it can't just be people who are of minority status that have to stick together. Well said. 
I agree with that. And it, it just goes to show you how many stereotypes our society creates, right? Mm-hmm. How many buckets we put people into. That is not necessarily the actual reality of what an individual is, right? Like even like transgender and gay aside, everybody is different. And those two things are completely different. Yeah. And it's easy to make the assumption that it could be the same thing or that you are one or the other, but everyone's got their own journey and truth about what it is they actually feel from a gender perspective. There's gender and there's sex. They're completely different things. So gender, your experience gender is definitely different than your sexual orientation. And you also experience it earlier on because he is a little bit young to know if he's into girls, if he's into boys. I wasn't allowed to date at that age. I wasn't (laughs) allowed to date till I was 16. But gender is something you inherently know, I feel like, from such a young age with Mm -hmm. what you like to do and who you like to hang out with and things along those lines. So that is something I feel like he needs to address earlier on rather than later. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm kind of happy that they didn't bring in the dating thing yeah right mm-hmm. into the into the series at least for right now with max because to me that if they had done that it would have been missing the point it's not really right. what it's about who you mm-hmm. date it's who you are i totally yeah. agree i think that can also be confusing for viewers who are trying to understand the trans community more by throwing in the sexuality element because that's not what gender is about right. well yeah and that's what i so appreciate about the show and i touched on it at the beginning but This didn't feel like, even though the show obviously has a social mission, it didn't feel like an agenda-heavy show. I don't feel like I was being told how to think. I feel like I was being told a really honest story about a family. And really, that kind of storytelling is the stuff that changes people's minds. And I really think this show, rather than saying, this is what you need to think or this is what you need to believe, it says, watch the experience of a family as their child comes out as trans and just mm-hmm. observe it. And like, that's the kind of thing that I think can change people's minds, especially because Max was painted as such an empathetic and vulnerable child, you know? And I think it was just handled so sensitively, mm-hmm. um, especially one of the most heartbreaking moments of this episode for me was when we found out he wasn't comfortable using the bathrooms at the school and had mm-hmm. wet his pants. Um, how did you guys react to this scene? Yeah, I, I was actually reading some, um, comments online about people thinking that was unrealistic wow but the trans community coming out and saying no that's actually a real fear of ours Mm -hmm. because we don't go we don't feel comfortable going to where society says we're supposed to go to the bathroom and we'd rather not face it and not go to the bathroom wow and i feel like it's a completely different ballpark for boys too because they have the challenge of do i go in a stall or do i use a urinal and for girls we all go in stall so it doesn't really matter like no one has to know no one has to judge but there's automatically that judgment placed on him by the bullies because they're going in the stall yeah Yeah. well said um so that was heartbreaking i think did a good job of um selling his case as someone who some kind of action needs to be taken Mm -hmm. i i really loved when he said to his mom it's not about whether our, I, whether or not I stand or sit down mm-hmm. when I pee. It's, <laughs> it's about feeling like I belong there. Yeah. There were so many lines in this series where I was like, beautiful. That was yeah. beautifully said, beautifully mm-hmm. written. 
and I had to like take note of it. Yeah. A lot of really powerful moments. It almost felt like it could have been a play, the way it was staged and it was so intimate and so mm-hmm. well written. Mm-hmm. Really, really and um we'll talk about it, but the showrunner of the show was originally a playwright, so it's not surprising oh. that this is sort of his I did not know that. Yeah, he's um Tony Merchant's got a really impressive resume. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. Yeah, it very much I don't know if y'all are familiar with the boy like Jake, but it was a movie that was released at Sundance last year and mm. before that it was a screenplay. And I think um, having more stories like this where we particularly focus on the male perspective of becoming a female is important because I feel like you don't see that as much. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, with all the trauma that Max is experiencing, we get one moment of levity, and that's him finally coming out as Maxine at the end of the episode. I love that um, Lily accompanies him here. and We're going to talk about Lily a little later in the show, but... This moment went from happy and light to kind of tough quickly with Steven, but at first he accepted Max and then kind of quickly panicked, I think, as his dad. How did you guys feel about this final scene of the episode? Maxine, I should be saying at this point, but... Yeah, I thought it was so sweet how Lily was the cheerleader, Mm -hmm. right? He says that my sister gave me courage, so it's not so much that like she was forcing him to do this. It was he, she gave him courage to come into who he believes he truly is. Right. And you could kind of see it when he was when he came into the room for the first time. It felt like a girl coming out in her prom dress yeah. and kind of being timid about it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's the first time you're getting dressed up like this. But boy, do I love it. Mm-hmm. That's such a good analogy. Yeah. When I think about powerful lines like you were talking about in the show, too, I think about when she had just confronted the bullies with him and she said, I didn't mean it when I said, you're not my brother. I just meant I've always seen you as my sister. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so affirming for him. Or are, are we going to say her at this point? Because this guess, is when yeah. she's yes. coming into Maxine. <laughs> yeah, that was so affirming for her to finally see that what I'm feeling is valid, who I am is valid. Yes. It's a great scene. And uh, we have plenty more to talk about, but guys, before we move on, I want to let you know this isn't our only after show. And Megan, if you wanted to tell our fans about more, they, they can engage with it after Buzz TV. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. We just wanted to say thank you to y'all for following along and supporting us and making us the ESPN of TV talk. But for us to continue to grow, we could use your help. If you're on YouTube right now watching us live, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please give us five stars. No matter where you are, leave us a comment so you can be part of the t- conversation. You you can also always join us in the live chat and let you let us know your thoughts on the show, your theories, etc. Being a part of AfterBuzz TV has meant so much to all of us here, and we truly appreciate you supporting us and doing what we love. Don't forget to tell your friends about our shows because we truly cover everything and as much as possible here. Well said. Um, so yeah, check out other content, guys. We've we're always covering TV. It's all TV all the time here at AfterBuzz TV. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and talk about um, people who are surrounding Max. And I want to start by talking about sort of Vicky, Stephen, and Gemma. That love triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, it, right right off the top, we find out Vicky and Stephen. I initially thought divorce, but of course we learned separated later. Mm-hmm. And we see that Steven's seeing someone younger than him. I thought the show did such a good job of very quickly establishing the dynamics between these three characters. D- do you guys agree? Yeah, I love the nuanced relationship and that it's not a typical affair. Vicky's well aware of it because that makes me more empathetic towards Gemma and more empathetic towards Steven as well. Yeah. And I think that Gemma could actually be a really good influence on him as we see moving forward in the episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job at establishing how much time had pla- p- p- passed <laughs> prior to us meeting the family, right? Because 
something like that doesn't quote unquote fall apart overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think with the flashbacks and what they what we learned about how they came to be separated, you know, that it wasn't an easy um, unfolding of events, right? Like he didn't just pick up and leave one day and was like a deadbeat dad or whatever it was and, and say, I'm out. Like you could see the struggle that had brought him there. Um, and then, you know, now with another woman, at least in episode one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think every character on this show was flawed and justified. Like I think in a lot of shows like this, there's like a very clear villain. But, like, you can understand and empathize with every decision that every one of these characters has made, including Gemma. I mean, I what I appreciated is normally this stock character is, like, the young mistress. <laughs> and she's, like, kind of a roll-your-eyes type of, you know, bimbo. But Gemma was smart and, like, made interesting contributions to all these characters throughout the show. Sure. Yeah, she's emotionally invested in Steven, too, as we saw. She doesn't just want to be used or be his getaway, but she's also emotionally invested in his family and the best interests of Maxine, which I think is really cool and nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was having... I appreciated that she wasn't, like, the villainous stepmom. Like, she was right. an interesting kind of good maternal figure to the children as well. Mm-hmm. So this was really well handled. And um, I guess we should come out and say we finally find out the reason Steven left. Did you guys predict that it was because of Max? I think that's probably what Maxine's worst fear was. But to see that come to fruition was really jarring for me. Yeah. Yes. I I was surprised that he said it outright in that way to his child. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Because I, you, I would have thought that he would want to protect him from that, protect her from that truth, that yes, I left because of you, Maxine. Right. Um, but it just, it felt the scene itself was so authentic in how that truth unfolded, and you could just feel the pain in the room, mm. right? And you have to think about how many families have actually had to undergo that kind of situation right um and it's wow you know like i don't know how how poised how you know i would be in that situation yeah there are no winners and there is no easy way out from the situation there's no escape even if you try to run away and i think that's really a point when steven realizes that yeah and i will say one thing i think the show nailed was the dynamic of exes who are still in love and want to make it work Mm. when we brought steven back into the house navigating who's are they going to sleep in the bed they the actors and the writing really did a good job of showing us that vicky and steven do have this beautiful complicated and affectionate history Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it it just goes with that saying sometimes love isn't enough Mm. right love is one thing and it became apparent as the episodes went on that these two love each other. Right. There's just this bigger thing that they need, need to figure out how to deal with, and that's their Maxine. Right. Yeah, you have to have patience and communication issues to work through really right. hard challenges. And if they're completely disagreeing on what to do about their daughter, that's not going to work. But at the same time, I really was pulling from them from episode one, mm-hmm. especially moving forward as you see them become more affectionate and more of how they clearly used to be. And I think even if you go from Gemma's perspective, you know, I think she would rather have Steven be with Vicky if that's what's going to be best for their family than to get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. I think she right. really is a good influence. It was interesting to me that he kept at moments where he was 
completely overwhelmed running to Gemma, right, for consolation. It's it's such a common thing that we see with people, mm. right? When the going gets tough, it's easy to go, <laughs> you know, instead of face it directly and have that direct conversation with your wife in this case, mm-hmm. um, you know, to go elsewhere. Yeah. But luckily, Gemma is the perfect sounding board. She was. Right? For the voice of reason mm-hmm. in this case. She wasn't the villain, like you said, and tried to just, you know, leverage that for her own benefit right. and mm-hmm. steal him away. She's holding up the mirror to Stephen and saying, are you sure this is what you want for your daughter? Mm-hmm. Are you sure this is, are you sure you can't work it out with your wife? Yeah. Another thing I really appreciated about this too was it was interesting to see Max and Maxine vying for a traditional family unit. You know, I can see this being the kind of show that, like, maybe very conservative people would be like, they're pushing a liberal agenda. But at the end of the day, this show was really pushing the importance of family mm-hmm. above everything. And I think it's interesting that those two tones were mixed. Where on one hand, we see a progressive storyline about a trans youth, but we also see a kind of traditional storyline about the importance of a good dad. You mm-hmm. know, I thought it was a really interesting mix of storytelling techniques in this show. Yeah, the importance of this stereotypical um, family unit, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And I think that it would be very easy for Maxine to turn against her father, especially after the abuse he put her through. But I think at the end of the day, he really does love her and she loves him. And it's just about working through that because Mm -hmm. he really doesn't have any understanding of what she's going through at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, for being a closed-minded person, he was painted very empathetically. The show did the very challenging task of making him seem like a good dad. Mm Mm-hmm. So I um we'll get more into them. There's more obviously developments with Vicky and Steven as the season goes on, but I also want to talk about the grandparents. So we have Steven's dad, Peter, and um Vicky's mom, Barbara. This was interesting because it created a generational perspective on all of these issues. Mm-hmm. We don't get to meet a ton of them, but just knee-jerk reactions. How do we feel about the good old grandparents in this show? It's interesting that they're kind of opposing to their children's viewpoints. Peter is almost a little bit too out there with how accepting he is. I think some of the language he uses (laughs) and how bold and literal he is is a little bit inappropriate, especially with the (laughs) 12-year-old in the picture and her sister also there. And then, uh, Grandma really had me going. I did not like her. I think I came to like her a little more towards the end, but not at first. Yeah. I agree with you that it was interesting that they had opposing views to their kids. Um, I appreciated that they were very much a part of the conversation. And sh- and the show showed that it could go either way mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the older generation. Yeah. Um, surprising to me that because when you think of the older generations, they're a little bit more closed-minded, and I'm in a stereotype, I guess, like with this type of thing. In general, though, it's true. In general, Mm -hmm. um, like my grandparents were definitely not open to that, and I would, it was a point of contention at the time. But um, here, you have both sides. Yeah. I think that also comes down to proximity breeds empathy, though, and even though trans people very much did exist in our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, they were much more hidden from society because it was less accepted then. There wasn't mm-hmm. the movement that we have now towards acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well said. Um, finally, we need to talk about Lily, who's, of course, Max's sister. I love this character. What did you guys think of Lily? She's so sweet. Yeah. I think sh- she's the sister you would want in this, sin- yeah. in this situation and every situation. Mm-hmm. Total protector. Yeah. Runs to his side when, she needs to, when he's in need. And I was just thinking, like, I... 
wish I had an older sister too. <laughs> yeah, no. And she's like a badass too, standing up yeah. to the bullies yeah. for him for him and right. then for her when she becomes Maxine, standing up to her parents for them. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah, we'll have more to talk about with Lily. And the last thing we didn't necessarily totally discuss, but we will be addressing later, is they're introduced to the fairy bank gender services. We're introduced to the idea of hormone blockers, but there's not much development there. So mm-hmm. any thoughts on fairy bank and hormone blockers before we move on? Most of that development happens later, but... Yeah. Um, for me, it was educational, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I had not heard of anything like a her- hormone blockers before. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately I, I was interested in, okay, so there are more alternatives than you would think, right, for transgender people. Yeah, it was mm. interesting. And it's interesting to see where the technology is at today, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We'll get more into all of that stuff as we um, move on to episodes two and three, which you should definitely stay tuned for in case you guys didn't know. We will be covering those immediately after this, so you don't even have to move. Um, let's quickly talk about some production notes about the show, and then we'll get into a special segment later. I guess technically we could call this news and gossip, right? Um, there it is. I just, I found some interesting production tidbits online, so I thought it'd be interesting to share. Yeah. Um, so Tony Merchant, who created this show, is a pretty well-respected British writer. He started in plays, he's written some films, but what's interesting is the last five things he's done for television are all three-part miniseries. So he seems to have really come to like this format. Of course, for you American viewers, it's not as common. Um, I think America's too greedy with advertising dollars, and if you try to greenlight a three-series project, they'll say, make it ten so we can sell more ads. Um, but I kind of, it's a really interesting series format to just have three episodes. Um, so Tony Merchant was explaining that the idea of exploring the fluidity of gender has always appealed to me. Um, on the show, the consultant was Susie Green, who's the, actually the trans, uh, the director of Mermaids, which is really interesting. So she was the primary producing consultant as they not only did research, but, um, produced on set, which is really cool to see that they integrated that. We'll be talking more about Mermaids in next episode. Um, and the story has similarities to Susie Green with her trans daughter, Jackie, um, who became the youngest British girl to receive sex uh, reassignment surgery when she was 16 years old. While writing the show, Merchant actually consulted families who were involved with the Mermaids charity. He went to meetings to learn more about them so he could help dispel use. Um, and he wanted to specifically focus on puberty blockers just to show that they weren't necessarily trendy, but actually really challenging to not only make decisions about, but acquire access to. Um, and finally, this is interesting about Callum Booth Ford, who plays Max slash Maxine on the show. He's cisgender, which was a bit of a controversial decision during casting. Uh, we saw that with Scarlett Johansson this year when she was cast to play a trans role, and mm-hmm. the community was not very happy about that. But the reason they decided to go with the cisgender uh, boy in this case was because... Um, while considering a trans child at that age, the mermaids suggested that it would be really difficult and painful for a trans actor in that moment to be reliving all these experiences. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And for viewers who don't know, cisgender is Thank when you. you agree with the gender that you were confirmed with at birth, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have more production tidbits um, as we go on with the show, but that's a little bit about Tony Merchant and early development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we have a special segment that I'm going to let Megan take the reins on. I know. One of the things I love that they do with not only having consultants on cast and crew who understand the issues and having real research in there they also have 
highlight real people, real organizations working in this community. Mm. And one cool little tidbit is that they showed um, Maxine watching one of Jazz Jennings' videos. And for people who haven't heard of Jazz Jennings, she's really prominent in the trans community and just in pop culture overall. She's on the show I Am Jazz on TLC. She's notable for being one of the youngest publicly documented people to identify as transgender. She's been interviewed by Barbara Walters. She's faced off in an interview with Megan, um, not Megan Kelly. I'm thinking of the conservative uh, That's talking right. head. No, not Megan Kelly. Oh. T- Tommy Lahren. Oh, Tommy Lahren, yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, she's... Megan fa- Kelly Jr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, she's a little bit more conservative, but yeah, she's faced off with her, so she's really well-researched. She really knows what she's talking about, and she is trans herself. Um, in this season of the show, she's actually going through, in real time, her gender confirmation surgery to fully become a girl, and that's something that's highlighted in this clip from the show. It's so thrilling to be leaving the hospital today. I just want to get up. Oh, I'm sorry. Should have warned you about that. Okay. Getting out of the wheelchair, the leg thing snaps down and I feel a pop. And with it, I felt this crazy pain. I felt like an incision just popped. I just don't know what's going on. Oh my gosh. Okay, Jordan. <laughs> Interesting. Well, yeah. Please give a warm welcome to Jazz Jennings. Yeah. We'll just watch a little bit of this and then move on. Gender confirmation surgery last summer, mm-hmm. and we finally, as the viewers, get to see yes. it all go down tonight. Yes. Was this, how scary was this moment and exciting? What were the feelings that you so, had? Waking up on the day of the surgery, I was so ecstatic. It was the best day of my life. I just had pure positive emotions. Everything was leading up to this moment, and I had my family there. It was just incredible. And the surgery ended up going really well. Everything went great, but there does end up being a major complication. So it's going to get intense. I don't want to spoil everything. You have to tune in, but it... It's wow. definitely very well spoken, obviously. This is a major yeah, absolutely. I think one of the great things about her is she's so positive mm-hmm. and so outgoing and willing to talk about this stuff because you constantly see her talking about stuff like mm-hmm. private parts and things like that <laughs> with yeah. her dad and her brothers. And those are hard things to talk about, especially at that age. I feel like you're very mm-hmm. private and secluded and you want all the privacy you can have from your parents mm-hmm. and the world and boy issues. But she's really open about all of that. And I think that's so good. For people who are in positions like Maxine's to have someone to look up to who's so bold and confident in what she wants and who she is. Well said. Well said. And you guys, we will be featuring a notable trans activist or celebrity on every episode of our coverage, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Normally, this is the point when we would do predictions, but obviously we know what's going to happen in the next episode. But I do predict that we will be right back here in five minutes covering episode two. So any final thoughts before we make our way out, guys? I'm excited to see these characters unfold more and to talk about them. Yes. I love the show, and I hope there's a next season. I know. We'll have that discussion <laughs> later. Uh, but, guys, thanks so much for tuning in episode one of our coverage of Butterfly. We will be back here right now um, covering episode two. For now, though, guys, my name is Jeff. If you want to find me online, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. And right now I'm also covering The Bachelor, which has been very fun. And uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We'll have coverage for that tomorrow as well. Yeah, guys, I am Megan Lynn. You can find me at Megan Lynn TV on Twitter and Instagram. Come chat to, with me about your favorite shows. And I am Sarah Mendoza. It's good to be back at AfterBuzz yes. TV. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Mendoza Creative. Guys, thanks so much. We'll see you in five minutes for part two.
Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only. do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 